0: Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need ten. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield! Underthrown and intercepted! Keeley Ringo has an escort down the sidelines! All the way to the end zone! And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide!
1: Time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Coat, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria and Pub, Bib Distributing, The Butler Auto Group, The Park Group, Corporate Connection, The Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrated.
2: Now, here he is, your host, The Mad Dog. Welcome back to the old man for Heisman headquarters. You already know that I bet on him in Vegas at hundred to one odds. And now it's already dropped down to 12 to one, 12 to one. He's in the top three. I bet hundred and now I wish I'd bet a thousand and speaking of betting. Now, nobody will bet me ESPN's O'Neill Duncan went on fine and talked a bunch of trash. She won't bet me. Speaking of fine nobody on that show will bet me. Why? because they know that he's going to win. This guy can throw a touchdown while he is barfing. I've never seen that before in my life. So last week to commemorate the Mailman for Heisman campaign, we launched two shirts. We enlisted freelance graphic designer, and Robinson. She came up with some great designs, and apparently you guys loved them because you blew up the website, you crashed the server, And over the weekend, people were calling me and people were texting me. Catfish, who was just on last week, ordered 100 shirts. Catfish, we got them coming, buddy. We're making them. So the server is back up. The link is back up. Corporate Connection is making them. Go to www.themaddog.com. That's T-H-E-M-A-D-D-A-W-G. Keep buying them, we'll keep making them. We got two versions of them, so snatch them up. That's right, I said snatch them up. Snatch up both of them. Again, themaddog.com. So, let's get after it. We got a good show, get the picture. First off, we're going to kick it off with a damn good dog who goes by the name of Malcolm Mitchell. What has he done, aside from playing wide receiver at the University of Georgia? Well, he won a Super Bowl, and he's written some best-selling books. And then, just because he's a great guy, decided to start a charitable foundation. Cannot wait to hear more from him. Oh yeah, by the way, he married a supermodel. Next, after Malcolm, I got some stuff that I wanna growl and talk about. And yes, I'm gonna do it and you're gonna like it. Then we've got Mark Slayball from ESPN. He is back, we're very excited him. Mark is a world renowned novelist, a best-selling New York Times writer. He is an ESPN journalist. He is a man that is in high demand and he's an all around good dude. And he's a great public speaker too. Got to hear him last night. After that, I'm going to break down the top 12. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to wear out some teams that don't belong there, and I'm not going to be kind. That is followed by the Mad Dog Show Injury Report, sponsored by Ortho Georgia, featuring former UGA offensive lineman Dr. Ryan Snetzer. Next, Burt Hodges from the Dog Bowl shows up, and he always has some surprises. And the next, don't cry, But there's no Buffalo this week. The Buffalo is roaming. He's on special assignment. He's deep undercover operating at various levels that I'm not even aware of, nor can I get into. But as soon as his expose hits my desk, you'll be the first to know, and he's going to blow the lid clean off the college football world. Last but not least, have no fear, because we wrap it up with our gambling guru known as Dogger. He's a hit, and he never misses his picks. So let's kick this thing off right now with the one and only Malcolm Mitchell. What's up?
3: Mad dog. Hey, man, I've been smiling backstage since the first scene (laughs) popped up. This is great. I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Let's have some fun.
2: Man, well, first of all, you know, I didn't know this until last week when Catfish was on. And he starts raving about you and what great friends you are, and how you guys yeah, hang out, man. you know, at, at games. And I was like, man, what a cool connection that I didn't even know about, and they were going to be on at the same time. Tell me about Catfish and y'all's relationship.
3: Kevin Jackson, Kevin Catfish Jackson, is a huge, is a great friend of mine.
2: Uh, he's been supportive since
3: the first day we met, and has really helped me champion some of my literacy efforts, especially in Savannah and in other parts of Georgia his support um goes without saying he sponsored schools in his area he sponsored schools that could not afford books and he's always held his arms open for for me to come in share my message share the things that i'm passionate about and just talk as dogs you know i i think a very important dynamic of our relationship is uh catfish played long before I came to earth. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But that, that doesn't deter our friendship. He doesn't look at me as a young guy that um, is immature and doesn't know as much. What he really does, is he teaches me a lot of valuable lessons while simultaneously supporting my passion to change young lives through literacy. I can't speak Nothing but greatness about Catfish, and I, I truly appreciate the friendship of him and his wife Libby. They've they've even allowed me to stay at their home, so you know.
2: It was just it's cool, you know, hearing you know him saying the exact same things about you. You you guys obviously have just a special connection as as players from the University of Georgia, and it's great to hear you know him using his influence to help your you know charitable campaigns and um man you guys and by awesome. the way i
3: think he just had a back surgery yeah so for for him to get on and and speak and be thoughtful enough to even mention me in, in conversation i mean come on he's a great guy love him he's
2: a, love him yeah yeah i mean who 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 meets catfish that doesn't love him i mean you know i didn't know him at this time last year this time last year yeah. i didn't even know that and now i feel like we're best friends yeah I mean, yeah
3: You may be the flawed individual if you don't like catfish.
2: That's exactly right. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to put it. Perfect way to put it. So, uh, last week, you get to go out on the field, and you're not only calling the dogs in Sanford Stadium, but you're also the guy that does it in the first home game after the natty, man. How did that feel?
3: Electrifying. Every time I step on that field, it brings back memories. To be honest with you, Mad Dog, I wanted to put on a helmet and get out there and play, man. My knees my knees don't agree with that thought, but, you know, it's nothing like being in Sanford Stadium and just being in the atmosphere, you know, really interacting with the fans. My favorite thing to do is to walk around the stadium while the game is taking place because I didn't have the opportunity to do that as a player, but having an opportunity to go into the stands, interact with fans, They tell me about the time where they watched me play. I get to talk about the current guys playing. I get to share my passion about literacy. It's nothing like being in that stadium. And they also allowed me to bring a copy of my new picture book. Hey, Georgia.
2: Um, and tell us about that because that's such a great book and such a great idea. Tell, tell us about that quick.
3: So my new picture book is titled Hey Georgia. It is a book exclusively for the state of Georgia, hence the title. And I was very fortunate for Marty Kemp, First Lady Marty Kemp, who went to the University of Georgia and was a cheerleader there, contacted me and said she'd like to collaborate on a project together to inspire our youth in Georgia to find a passion for literacy and a passion for our state. So we joined forces and decided to uh, really deliver a picture book that honors the state of Georgia but also challenges our perspective in ways where we can go further. The book will release to every pre-K student in the state of Georgia, uh, wow. which will be 90,000 pre-K students. They will receive that book for free. And uh, I will also sell the book through the UGA bookstore and some online platforms as well. So please check that out.
2: Man, I mean, just another great book and a line of books you've established. And just, it's brilliant that it, the book, it just, it. it it touts everything that's cool about our state and um it's just it's just a, a just a really cool thing you're doing man and i'm going to get more to that in a second but first i got to ask about that peach jacket you were wearing man that that jacket <laughs> was dope so where did you get where did you get the peach jacket Man,
3: there is a quilt to design. now i'm to really really take you for a roller coaster here. There is a quilt and fabric designer who came from Georgia who now lives in New York and she created a fashion company called Bode, B O D E. And okay. she released yeah. a special edition peach jacket this year to represent her love for her home state. And I thought to myself, am I if I'm going to go to the first game after the first home game, after the national championship, I need a special jacket.
2: So, and it was, it was so cool, but you know, you can pull that jacket off. I, I you could pull, pull, that pull it off, off. Too. I, I could not pull that jacket off. You yeah. pulled it off. <laughs> Josh Brooks,
3: the athletic director, looked at me and said, you're a pretty fashionable guy. I said, <laughs> man, it's all about confidence and not caring what people think. I may not look good, but if I feel good, it's the same thing.
2: That's right. And the clothes make the man. And, um, and speaking of the clothes making the man, like I, I said, um, you're married to a supermodel. Jasmine. <laughs> she, now, Jasmine you met, is the
3: most beautiful woman I've ever seen. So Okay, so
2: you're, you're up there. I like to go by the bookstore when the guys are doing the show and, and to see who, you know, KB and Dancer and Zion right. and Lauren they're talking to and so i see this this beautiful woman sitting there i'm like man who is that's who is she is she (laughs) then i see you up there i'm like oh that's malcolm's wife jasmine i met her last year and i go up to start talking to her and i'm i'm like the sixth grader trying to talk to the homecoming (laughs) queen I'm, i'm up there stuttering and stammering and it's like i've completely. Forget how yeah. to use my words. I'm sure she was sitting there going, what is this? this guy's about to stroke out? What's he trying to say to me? Hey, listen, man. She was man. so nice. She was so nice. She she was like, this guy, I'm, he's clearly harmless. He just <laughs> he can't talk right now. <laughs> hey, listen,
3: I am no fool. When That's I look right. in the mirror, you know, there are guys that look better out there than I do, but they, couldn't, they can't catch as well as I do.
2: You gotta hey, know your
3: strengths, man, and play to them. Hey, you know
2: what I'm saying? Sad. Can't catch as well as you do, can't win a Super Bowl ring, <laughs> can't can't be a best-selling author, and can't start a massively successful charitable foundation. And um, so I mean, you guys, you make a great team, obviously. Yeah, and man. And your story, your story is just a heck of a story. And there's and one, obviously, I know very well, but, but for those who might be listening that don't know the story of just kind of the genesis of this and, and how it evolved, would you, would you mind telling us all about it?
3: I don't mind at all. I'll finish off the last topic by saying I'm very lucky to have Jasmine in my life. Um, very fortunate, man. She's a, she's a true gift. Well, my story goes like this. I was born and raised in Valdosta, Georgia. And then Vat Georgia is known for having the winningest high school football program in the country. Right. Out of all 50 states and their high school programs, Vat Georgia has won the most football games. So it's obvious how I started playing sport in that environment. From there, I was recruited by several different colleges. I decided to attend the University of Georgia. I was recruited by uh, Mike Bobo, who's back in town. And yep. the head coach at the time, Uh, was Coach Mark Ritt. From there, I I was drafted to the New England Patriots in 2015. I mean, 16 and in 2017, I became a Super Bowl champion. I think what makes my uh, story compelling is while I was at the University of Georgia, I realized there's a value in education that could sustain um even my athletic performance over a certain period of time that the things i the way i succeeded on the field was sustainable because of the things i did off of the field
1: and i realized
3: that my intellectual prowess was just as or more important than my athletic performances so i started reading to enhance my intelligence through that process i learned so many lessons i learned so many lessons i struggled um, I had to overcome the fear of reading words that were complicated and too hard for me to understand. And I realized that the most empowering thing you can do for a person is give them the skill set of reading. So I started Share the Magic Foundation immediately after graduating from the University of Georgia to change lives through literacy. I wanted to empower kids to find a love for reading as I did because reading has such a profound and positive impact on my life. Mad Dog, to be honest with you, maybe you would want to have this conversation with me simply off of attending the university and and playing in the Super Bowl, but the value of my life has really been my relationships from the University of Georgia and the Patriots, but really this journey through literacy that's really challenged my way of thinking and really got me out in the world in a way that I don't think I would have if I would have never started. So giving children that same gift that I experienced through books is what uh, we at Share the Magic Foundation hope to accomplish. And that's also the reason why I write in the first place.
2: Well, and and actually, I, I, this is what I really want to talk to you about because it's so powerful. And, and the lessons you've learned about, you know, knowledge is power and reading is power. And, you know, it's, it's brilliant in the the simple part of it, which is I'm going to try and teach as many people as I can, how to read. And so if I can teach these people how to read, that's going to be the most powerful thing to enrich their lives because the higher their reading level, the more successful they're going to be. If you're going to read at a high school level, you're probably only going to be as successful as a high school person, college, college, grad school, post-grad, you know, a brain surgeon is going to make more money. Because he can read at a brain surgeon level. So what, exactly. is, <laughs> so what what does that do as you, you, you share the magic and teach all these people to read is what it does is it, is it's a rising tide floats all boats. Right. I agree. So all these, all these people now are raising their education level. So what, what are they doing? They're providing their families with better lives. They're enriching they're, their communities. They're creating they're, jobs. Yeah. I mean, the domino effect is limitless. And, workforce and development
3: intellectual prowess economic opportunity social mobility this is what I do every day I can go on and on and it sounds like I need to take you on the road with me because you did a great job there
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it makes perfect sense but and it took you to to be able to deliver yeah. this message in a way that that crystallizes it and gives everybody that epiphany or that light bulb or that aha moment to go, okay, this guy's got it figured it out. He's able to parse through a lot of complex problems to come up with a solution that anybody can do. Any, We can teach anybody to read, practically. and and, and Practically, you're, yeah. you're right.
3: And the thing that people forget, just like football, football is a learned skill no one comes out of the womb knowing the rules of football right no one knows how to play now i may be predisposed and have athletic abilities that would make me a better player once i learn how to play reading is no different it's a learned skill no one is born with the skill set of reading nobody not one single human being can read innately it's an acquired skill. So if you practice reading as much as you practice football, well, we can make the assumption that just like you progress on the football field, you will progress in the classroom. But can we generate a big enough spark to get a child to want to engage in that process? Because we know that children, and Malcolm as a child, would rather play football than read.
2: Right. So, and you know. and, and kind of where you're going with it is uh, it sounds like the reading is almost like muscle memory for playing golf or playing yeah. a sport or anything like that. And, and what you're doing also that I love is, you know, it's the classic um, think globally, act locally. Right. So you're yeah. going you're going straight in your backyard in the state of Georgia and saying, man, it starts here. This is the epicenter <laughs> and it's already branched out far beyond that. And man, it's, it's just, I'm just a cheerleader, man. I just think it's so cool. I appreciate it, man.
3: I I appreciate your, your love and support. I I am very grateful to have the Bulldog family really continue to support me. And I will say that the Bulldog and UGA family support of the foundation, the books, all the strides I've made off the field is really overwhelming. I can name people and I'll name a few. I don't mind. Uh, John up, Parker, ahead. John John and Kay Parker, um, Knox and Mandy Cole uh, Catfish, uh, Libby, um, Josh Brooks. You know, uh, I could go on. Kirby. I was a part of his foundation event this past year, where they awarded the foundation with um, funds to impact more lives. I can uh, talk about Steph, Chris and Steph, Stephanie Webb, I could talk about David Lefkowitz, I could talk about Kelly and Rachel Kerner, I can go on and on and on and talk about the UGA support that I've received while I was there with Coach Rick writing the forward to my first picture book to today where Coach Kirby Smart is definitely helping me champion some of these literacy efforts throughout the state of Georgia. I and for those who I did not mention, just know that I I know of you. I just don't want to make Matt Dog go through this long list so it cuts me off. <laughs> no, it's
2: it's fine. I mean, you've, you know, you've, it's you've, you've built a world class organization from the ground up, and and your website is just astounding. You know, from your advisory board to your regular board to you know all the different ways to donate to, uh, you know, if you, the scroll across the bottom of all the different companies that are, are you know, helping you shaded with you and donating to you. I mean, it it's heavy hitters, man. I mean, it's, it's best of the best up there. Then it's just, um, it's just, astounding really to see what you've done and, and tell everybody again, your website address.
3: My website is www.readwithmalcolm.com. Again, that's www.readwithmalcolm.com. You can go on there. You can learn more about uh, the programs that we deliver to different communities to inspire their students. Uh, We also created digital platforms for teachers to engage their students in reading-based activities. You can learn about that as well. You can learn about the book projects. You can learn about the upcoming events. You can learn about those who have supported us Historically, I will go ahead and give a, uh, a save the date notice for February 25th, 2023 is where I have uh, my annual event. Uh, I have a lot of bulldog legends come in and I use them as uh, my my auctioneers, which is hysterical because they end up selling things that I don't even have. So, you know, <laughs> that's always fun. So so yeah. where is that
2: and how much is that invite only or can you buy tickets or how does that work?
3: You can buy tickets, and you can find that on our website, and um, it will be at the Fox Theater.
2: Oh, man, what a venue. So yeah. we're, we're,
3: we're trying to to up our ante a little bit, make sure people have a great time um, while they're supporting youth literacy uh, really globally. So.
2: Is it is it tuxedo, black tie?
3: <laughs> it's black tie optional. Black
2: tie. Which means if you don't wear black tie, you feel that's like you're not
3: true. That man. That's how it works. You got to realize I'm inviting a bunch of my buddies who I've played with, who are used to wearing sweatpants and t-shirts all day. So right. when I say when right, I say right. optional, it's heavy optional. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about a couple of lighthearted things, and then and then finish off with something that we've been talking about. So, how does it feel to be the guy? who put the dagger and the falcon's back in the super bowl <laughs> when you ended the falcon's dreams of a super bowl. Mad do people come up do people come up to you and say stuff about that all the time
3: they still do. But here's what I always say. What more did you want me to do? We gave them a 25-point <laughs> lead. I mean, and by the way, I want I, I am now a fan Right, now, I can't say I grew up a fan, right? Uh, but I am now as a person who lives in Atlanta. I cheer for the Falcons, and I watch them with heartache week after week after week, just like everyone else. Right. So right. when we play them, hey man, I'm doing my job, right? You know. But today, I pull for them, even though I can play just like every other fan does.
2: Sure, you know? sure. All right, this next one is kind of lighthearted, but it's kind of serious. And, okay. And, and, you, and you dealt with it, and I see it all the time, and it always makes me cringe. So you you blew your knee out on, mm-hmm. a, on a celebration jump, I think, with Gurley, right? That's right. And every And it still goes on. Every time somebody scores a touchdown, they jump, and people still get hurt. Why do they do it, and how do we stop it?
3: You will never be able to stop it.
2: Uh, We need a campaign. Stop the jump. (laughs) Stop the the, the jump. (laughs) Stetson Bennett in the first game, he jumped up, and he came down gingerly, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Stetson got hurt in a celebration jump.
3: listen, I'll tell you this. The reason you won't be able to stop it because it's all adrenaline.
2: Yeah. No No one's
3: thinking about it. We just do it, right? I don't know how you stop that level of excitement.
2: I, now fives. here's make I will I will, I will accept the jump with the lineman supported jump that gives you a soft <laughs> landing gently back to earth I can get behind that I could that make I'm comfortable with that but the other so, jump I don't support it. So
3: 2013 we played Clemson and Cle, at Clemson uh, season opener and. Todd breaks down the right sideline for I think a 70, 60 to 70 yard touchdown. Mm-hmm, Gets mm-hmm. to the end zone where I then meet him and decide to jump in the air to celebrate like I had done a million times before. Right. Matter of fact, if you go back and watch the play, I am on, I am, I am not in the boundary. I'm to the field. And while I'm trying to block a defender, I end up jumping over him because he falls. So during the same play, I I jump once before. Nothing happens. Right. I get down there decide i want to celebrate with my buddy as soon as i leave the ground i know something's up
2: so it was on the takeoff
3: it was on the takeoff wow it was not on the landing
2: see so, i've blown my i've blown my acl a couple of times and and when i saw i watched that play obviously and i when i saw you come down i was like he blew out his knee he just blew out his knee i knew it and yeah so, man but, and at the time
3: if, it was by far the worst thing that could have ever happened to me and now yeah. how many years later several years later i say man i don't know if i would have started reading as much
2: wow is that when the reading started is during the that, rehab process
3: that is when the reading takes off
2: and during the wow. rehab
3: process is when i joined that book club
2: i just got chills i had no idea that's when that started i had no that idea. Is
3: when. I had an inclination my freshman year that I had a reading deficiency. But, you know, let me be honest with you. It's really hard to be down on yourself when you're scoring touchdowns on Saturday. Right? It's, you <laughs> right. Know, <laughs> it's like, I'm sad, but not really. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but once football was kind of removed for that long period of time, well, I had to face it head on day after day after day after day and i would either attack the problem that i recognized earlier in my collegiate career or i ignore it and just accept whatever life gave to me and my mom just taught me to attack the problems so
2: well you did it you clearly started
3: all that really i started writing and all of that once the acl kind of sat me down for a long period of
2: time wow I know how difficult and depressing and painful that can be, and um, and but it's really cool that you took something bad. You took classic example of taking lemons and turning them lemonade. You you did that on steroids. Ah, oh, I
3: appreciate uh, it, man. Yeah, and, and so, even uh, <laughs> there's a running joke that Ron Corson was my head coach at UGA.
1: You know Ron <laughs> Corson, is
3: right? Oh yeah, Ron Corson is the uh, um, athletic trainer. And at one point I spent more time with Ron than I did with the team trying to wow. get back on the field. Yeah, wow.
2: <laughs> man. Well, let's tell everybody about a little something that we're cooking up. That's kind of cool that, uh, will we'll yeah, raise some money for your foundation. So I started thinking, man, it would be cool if we could start a little campaign with, um, Malcolm's foundation. What can I do? And I, I just so happened to know the CEO of the best bank in America, and that's Colony bank. And he is a UGA business school grad. Let's go. And I approached him, I approached him with this idea and, and Colony bank has a financial literacy program where we reach out to kids and, and they come in and be a part of our program as rising juniors and go through all this financial literacy training. It's a very extensive program. And then we give them scholarships um, as a part of that. And I said, really Malcolm's foundation. Ties in perfectly with that. This is financial literacy and his, is pure literacy. So, so what if I could team up with a couple of companies to raise some seed money to get this going? So I reached out to a friend of mine who's here in Macon for Microsoft. And I knew that whatever he donates to charity, Microsoft will match. So I went to him and he said, oh yeah, great idea. Let's start it out with 1250. Microsoft matches it with 1250. So sort we're of 2,500. Mad Dog matches that with twenty five hundred, so we're at five thousand. Colony Bank matches that five thousand, and now we kick it off with ten thousand. And so, what we want to do is we're going to have a season long campaign. It won't end until the dog season ends, which means it won't end until after we win that second ad. Let's go! Yes. And so, <laughs> so maybe we have the check, the big check presentation at the theater. Oh
3: my goodness, that would be legendary
2: how about that
3: i love that idea
2: all right so me and you offline by the way oh. mad dog just
3: came up with that idea as he was speaking and i think it's brilliant
2: <laughs> didn't come up the big check thing <laughs> did come up with right then um so let's um let's talk offline about the details and yeah, like sure. a formal kickoff but man you know I, I think we could get i think we should put a couple commas into that
3: Man, you know, my foundation does a great job of ensuring all funds go to under-resourced communities. Uh, That's what I focus on, that's what I'm passionate about, and that's what I care about. Every dollar raised will go towards ensuring that these children have an opportunity to read to a better future. So anything we can do to amplify it, anyone who's listening, I'd appreciate your support. And uh, just know that you'd be helping children out uh, across the state of Georgia and, and under-resourced communities in other states as well. So, man, thank you for thinking of that. Thank you for believing in me and my foundation. And, you know, let's raise some money for these kids.
2: Let's do it. Let's do it. I, again, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, let's call it Mad Dog Magic. Think about it. Just think about it. No, I'll, no, we're keeping it. It's <laughs> out there now. That's out the name. there. That's Manifest. the
3: name. <laughs> i love it like it, share the magic foundation and mad dog Magic. <laughs> to me let's go
2: It perfect goes together perfectly well malcolm man thank you so much for taking so much time with us tonight you're the best i hope i get to see you on saturday and regardless we're gonna be talking real soon brother i appreciate you man
3: this has been a gift for sure go dogs you, go, dog.
2: go dogs Go Dogs, Malcolm Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen. A gentleman and a scholar. And wow, we are just we're just so fortunate to have him on here. I'm just on cloud nine. Um charitable campaign. I think is something that could be really, really big and cool. And just doing something in our backyard in the state of Georgia. And um more to come on that. Now, here is where I'm going to growl and bark for a while because. About this time last year, just about everyone, it seemed like in human race, every man, woman, child, every creature, great and small, were just wringing their hands and sweating and fretting over Stetson Bennett, the one they call the mailman. He can't do it, they said. He's too small, they said. His arm's not as strong as JT Daniels. and. Tasty Daniels is a five-star. Well, Stetson, you know, he's a former walk-on, for crying out loud. This time last year, we knew that we had a special team. But some, not I, not I, I defended him from the jump. Go back and watch the tape. Not I, but some claimed that we had a quarterback situation. And those idiots who claimed that showed their complete lack of of football knowledge. They were measuring height and not heart. They were measuring breadth and not brains. They were measuring girth and not guts. And you see, a funny thing happened with Stets had been at the fourth. He ignored all the doubters, the naysayers and the haters. And when he did hear it, well, he just he just took all that and kind of like a piece of paper, he just crumpled it all up, crumpled up all that hate and all of that doubt and then he spit on it and then he probably pissed on it and he formulated his own special rocket fuel out of that for his arm and not just for his arm and just as importantly for his legs and he heaved a tight spiral straight up the collective anus of all of y'all that didn't believe didn't believe that a Blackshear boy could take us to the promised land so on behalf of Stetson Bennett fourth and his mom and him and his dad and them and his coaches and his teammates. Would y'all all all just pucker up and kiss his white, a double dollar size, because now we're here and we're talking about him as a Heisman candidate. And we're not just talking about him as some dark horse out there. He's not a hundred to one anymore. I think he's at least 12 to one, maybe nine to one, and he's in the top three. So for everybody that came up to me, you know, maybe after he won a national championship at church and was like, hey, uh, don't get mad at this, but, which means that they're about to say something that's going to make me mad, I just don't think Stetson's the guy who's going to get us there, you know, where we need to go long term. It's like, what does the guy got to do? I mean, he just won a national championship for you. What he's going to do is he's going to come back and keep writing that storybook, keep writing the sequel to his movie. And that sequel includes, most importantly, a natty. And the Heisman will just be gravy on it. Let me give you a few stats. And a lot of you have probably seen this. Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is the first player to start the season with three straight games of 250-plus passing yards plus a rush TD. Last person to do it, Patrick Mahomes in 2016. Have you heard of Patrick Mahomes? Do you follow NFL football? He's good. How about this stat? Since the 2021 SEC Championship game, Bryce Young, 65% completion rate. Stetson Bennett, 71. Bryce Young, 1,188 yards. Stetson Bennett, 1,489. Bryce has 15 TDs. Stetson has 13 through the air. Bryce has five interceptions, and Stetson has zero. Bama is averaging 36.6 points. We're averaging 39.4. And last but not least, and this is important, Stetson Bennett is taller than Bryce Young. He is taller. It's documented. It's on tape. Go back after the national championship and look them standing side by side. Here's Stetson, and here's Bryce. It's crystal clear. So quit calling him an undersized quarterback. If he's undersized, then so is Bryce Young, and he just won a Heisman. So with that, I'm tired of ranting and raving and growling and barking. We have another incredible guest, and we are very excited to welcome back Mark Slayball. How about it, Dr. Snesser? How are you doing?
0: Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be back.
2: Glad to have you back, and I'm hoping that you're going to give us a short injury report again. So are there any new ones to discuss?
0: Uh, not really. The only thing uh, came up this week was uh, Coach Mark t- talked a little bit about uh, Jalen Carter. Uh, apparently, he's had just kind of a lingering ankle injury, probably an ankle sprain going back to about the Oregon game. So he's been a little bit limited, uh, but they're hoping to have him back full speed this week. Uh, otherwise, they're still nursing uh, A.D. Mitchell back. Uh, and that's really about it, other than the guys that we know that are out. Um, we know that Aaron Smith is still out after having his ankle surgery. Um, but, uh, you know, they've talked about Gilbert a little bit. Uh, I don't know if he's got an injury or not, uh, but they just they you know, have him... Kind
2: of said he's day to day right now. Yeah, that's been uh I don't know what's going on there either. I'm not hearing much about that. So uh best wishes to him. Jalen Carter wise, I would hope and guess that, you know, all he'd be doing this week would be kind of testing it out because it's Kent State. I mean, you know, we're gonna probably right. empty the benches, make sure he's okay. And then after that, you know, you got Missouri, which is probably one you could take it easy on him, and Vandy. Yep. And then from there, what, that's a bi-week before Florida, bi-week. right?
0: Exactly, yeah.
2: That, so. That's when we really need him. Um, so A.D. Mitchell is, you know, it's back to that high ankle sprain thing again. Are, was any? Have you seen any timetables on him?
0: You know, I still think they're kind of listening to his day-to-day. Um, so I haven't really heard anything for sure. Uh, but based on that, coming off of, you know, about a week and a half after the injury, I still think it's probably a low ankle sprain. Um, I think with high ankle sprains, we call them out. You know, they're going to give them a couple weeks at least.
2: Right. And, you know, Arian is still, I guess, in that same holding pattern we talked about where we thought, you know, Florida would be a good spot to hopefully get him back. And, you know, it's good news, bad news. bad news is these guys are out. The good news is it's not many of them, and they're in key positions where we can give these younger guys, uh, you know, a lot of playing time to build up reps, get confidence, you know, um, and, and see players, you know, further down the depth chart, you know, on offense, like, you know, the Dylan Bells, guys that I didn't think I'd get to see much of. We're getting to see a lot of him. Um, and then as far as Jalen goes, I, I'm not who – who is his immediate backup? I'm drawing a blank. Do you know?
0: Uh, I do not know. You know, they rotate so many guys through there. Uh, the yeah. Circles. I don't know. I think we're playing don't, like roughly six guys in there. Uh, on yeah, I mean race. you've got
2: you got Logue, you got Stackhouse, you got um Tyrion Dawkins, um who else? I think those are the kind of the main three. Right, right. I'm probably leaving somebody out, but we, we got plenty of depth there, thank goodness. And it's it's for as thin as Kirby said that we are at receiver, it just doesn't feel
0: like it. Right, right. Well, the younger guys are stepping up, making plays. I mean, they're they're doing well, and obviously, you got the guys that are there are making plays. You know, Brock Bowers making big plays last week. I mean, you know, it's just the guys that are there stepping up and making them. And then some of the younger guys are coming in and filling some roles. Um, and you know, the offense is, is is looking strong. I mean, you can't. It really hasn't really missed a beat.
2: The offense is clicking. I mean, without AD Mitchell, it's clicking. Without Eric Gilbert, it's clicking. It's it's just it's fun to watch and I can't remember the last time I was talking about the Georgia offense where I was like, it was fun to watch, you know, where we've got other than last year we're sets in a quarterback that's got the mobility and, and can deliver the ball um, and, and distribute it evenly to where you, you have no idea where he's going to, who he's going to target next.
0: Yeah. They're very well balanced on offense. Uh, I think it's really, I mean, they're, they're going to be a hard team to, to scheme against, you know, like at some point you're have to just say, look, we're going to, we're going to take one part of. They're going to try to take one part of this offense away, and I still think the rest of it's good enough to beat you. You know, so it's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, look these guys that are just you know making plays, well balanced, spreading it out. Uh, you know, I like to see you keep doing that.
2: If Dan Lanning can't scheme against it, then I, I think it's working.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, they're they're looking strong, like kind of you know, well, machine back there. You know, I think Stetson has really matured and I mean he looks like a he looks like a stud quarterback back there. I mean, you know, he, he looks like he's ready to go and ready to step up and uh and keep elevating his game.
2: Absolutely. And I mean now the narrative has changed, you know, obviously from him being in the Heisman talk and then even you're even seeing pro scouts talk about him saying, mm-hmm. Hey, don't don't count this guy out for Sunday. You know, he's a winner. Dinner.
0: Yeah, there's something to be said about being a winner, right? I mean, you know, you can you can be six five, you can have a cannon for an arm, but I mean, there's there's something to be said about guys who can get the game, get it down, and, and win it when it when they need to.
2: Doug Flutie played on Sunday, and he's shorter than Stetson. There
0: you go. There you go.
2: But we just we we want to focus on him on Saturday. Now we got to keep him. That's right. I'm not even going to say it. Just we need Stetson to just keep being Stetson.
0: That's right. Keep doing it. I what don't you're want. Doing, man.
2: Yeah, I, I don't want to talk to you about him. How about that? Put it that way.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan, thanks so much, as always, for coming on. Thank you for the short report. You're doing a great job. And um, maybe I'll see you Saturday.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on.
2: All right. Thanks again.
0: Goodbye. Hey,
2: all right that was a pump fake on Slayball. Slayball snetzer they're real close in names we're going to have uh mr Slayball and shortly he is covering a little golf tournament you may have heard of called the president's cup but for right now let's break down that ap top 12 but with a twist we're going to do it in reverse order because here's the deal the pollsters with the associated press they're not any smarter than us if anything they're worse than us because they're biased they're biased towards certain brands and in short They play favorites. Ranking teams really isn't that hard. It's as simple as the eye test. What you see is what you get. What you see on the field against who they're playing, against their strength of schedule, equals how good that team is. Your eyes can see as good as any AP pollster. You can see who's good and who isn't. So, if they don't pass the eye test and they don't have a decent resume, then they don't get ranked well, but one team does. They're head and shoulders above the rest. So at number one is the University of Georgia, defending national champions. They're the Georgia Bulldogs, and that never, ever gets old saying. In second place is the Cheaters as a roll of toilet paper tied. In third place is the Ohio State Brown Eyes, a.k.a. the Chin Nuts, who, by the way, play their fourth home game this week, fourth out of five. They're going to play eight out of 12. Fourth place, I'm going to take this up with Mr. Slayball. Michigan. The AP has Michigan in fourth place. Now, here's what they've done. They've beaten Colorado State. They beat Hawaii. And they've beaten UConn for crying out loud. I mean, those three games. Next on their cupcake calendar, let me read this to you. Next up, playing the powerhouse that is Maryland, followed by Iowa, Indiana, the pedophilia state, Nittany Sandusky's, Sparty, who stinks this year as we just saw. Rutgers, Nebraska, who just had to fire their coach as they got beat at home by Georgia Southern. Illinois, it's like I'm making up a fantasy schedule of cupcakes. It's it's amazing how bad this is. And finally, finally they finish the season with the brown-eyed chin So they have a one-game season, and we're going to have to let them just hang around up at the top until – Maybe Ohio State beats them, I don't know, but maybe they beat Ohio State again. Then what happens? Exactly the same thing has happened when they played us last year in the playoffs. So have at it. Have at it, Harbaugh. Come on back. I guess uh, you're just a glutton for punishment. You need to schedule some hard and much more difficult teams so you don't get embarrassed in the college football playoffs. Next up, Clemson. Here's another team that has a bunch of cupcakes. They open it up with Tech, Furman, and La Tech. That's Louisiana Tech. How impressive, said no one ever. You will get within sight of the playoffs again this year. Six, Oklahoma. They played UTEP, Kent State. Don't sleep on Kent State. They're coming to play between the hedges this week. And Nebraska. I like Oklahoma. I'll always like them because my dad is a graduate there. I grew up on the heyday, Switzer days of the wishbone in the 70s and 80s when they were, you know, beating everybody. But you won't make the playoffs either. However, the next team will make the playoffs, and the next team is my sleeper team from before the season, when they were unranked, and that is, of course, the real USC, the University of South Carolina Southern California Trojans. Hold on, it's Slayball, sleigh Slayball sleigh on line one. <laughs> What's up? You're not getting it, okay? Um, producer yes okay i'm about to hand him the phone so that he can email it to you all right well he's he's just gonna tell you and he'll text it to you hold on All right. i love this i love this gig i'm trying to have a show and espn's interrupting me I'm nothing if not flexible now the real usc the university of southern california Trojan, trojans trojans their mascot is a condom that the commercials write themselves all right i'm not gonna lie their schedule is a joke too their only ranked opponent is currently number 13 utah but the coach is lincoln riley and i respect lincoln riley he's a good coach he has rated the best talent out of the transfer portal of any other team in the offseason. I think he got something like 17 players led by Caleb Williams, who, by the way, is also a Heisman Trophy contender. So, they're good. They got a one-game schedule too. They worry me. I'm not going to lie. Actually, I'm lying. They don't worry me. Bring it on, Lincoln Riley. I would like nothing more than to break your heart again, just like we broke it in the Rose Bowl. Next up, Kentucky. I don't have to review Kentucky's schedule because they play in the SEC. I know that they play a real schedule. I know that their coach is the real deal, Bob Stoops. I know that their quarterback is the real deal. He's going to play on Sunday. That's Will Levis. and This is a dangerous team, and I'm nervous about going there in in November. And you are too, if you're being honest. Now, then we got Oklahoma State at nine. They call themselves the Cowboys. I call themselves the Cowgirls the reverse cowgirls if you don't believe me ask your daddy what it means 10 arkansas petrino nice. almost exacted his revenge it looks like sleigh ball is almost here petrino almost got his revenge on the hogs he didn't that's good that would have been a season killer but Pittman pulled it out now how is michigan ranked number four and arkansas's ranked number 10. i mean if you look at their schedule i guess they're trying to project where everybody's going to land because Arkansas has got a much more difficult schedule. Michigan's got a one game schedule. Arkansas is about to go and play at Texas A&M, which admittedly any of the year looked like a harder game, but still playing against the 12th man. Following that, they have Bama at home. Here's my prediction. They're going to win both of those games. They're going to win both of those games. And then they're going to go from 10 to two. You heard it here first. Now, Tennessee, another team on our schedule that gives me loud, painful, potent gas. Again, watch our game with them. Last year at Tennessee, we are a couple of plays away from being in big trouble. We're a couple of plays away from arguably losing that game. I'm very happy that this year that game's going to be between the hedges because, if anything, Tennessee's better this year. So if that is followed by one that I can't figure out. No, by the way, before we play Tennessee, they've got to play Florida, LSU, Alabama, and Kentucky. So timings, everything, they should be beat up by then. Rounding out the dirty dozen is NC State. Why I don't know. They beat East Carolina by one point. They beat mighty Charleston Southern. They triumphed over the world beaters of Texas Tech. Ole Miss should be there. They were punished because they played Georgia Tech. They lost all schedule credibility. Tech hurts the strength of schedule of everybody that they play. They should be eliminated from our schedule. And I'm hearing rumblings, rumblings that their coach is not going to make it through the end of the year, not going to make it through the end of the season. And I'm going to let Mark Slayball tell you who the rumor is that who might be the next coach or maybe a couple of rumors who might be the next coach at Georgia Tech. Um, Auburn. You lost to Penn State, who should be 14th. I just wanted to bring that up because this year, Auburn, you can't blame Mike Bobo. At Honorable Mention, I have 15, which is Oregon, because we left the Ducks for dead, and now all of a sudden they're back. They lost to the number one team in the country. They've resurrected themselves. It's looking like now it's going to be the best, biggest resurrection since Lazarus, and they're going to keep climbing, and who knows? I mean, if they beat USC and their only loss is Georgia and they win the Pac-12, stranger things have happened. So, I think we're ready for the one and the only Mark Slayball. <laughs> What's going on? Can't hear him. Hey, we can't hear you. Are you on a tablet? Are you on a tablet? Maybe you should Facetime me, and then I'll hold it right here. (laughs) We're gonna fix this. All right, I don't even—I don't know where I was. Where was I? I was making fun of Auburn. I said Oregon should be honorable mention fifteen. Then I was gonna do (laughs) the injury report, but we've done it. Bring on Burt Hodges. Burt Hodges available. Burt Hodges, are you available? Save me. There he is. Mad dog. What's going on? How are you doing tonight? We're, we're doing good. We're, we're jumping around a little bit. We've had some technical issues, but like I said, we're nothing if not flexible. What's happening with Slaybaugh? He's
4: at the President's Cup?
2: He's at the President's Cup, so it looked like he was trying to handle it from his car i don't know if the issues were on his end or our end but our our crack <clears> producer is working on it right now <laughs> i don't know if we're gonna have to do a an old school facetime call with him and i'll, I'll just hold the camera up right here so everyone can see him um, all right um so so where, what are your thoughts on where we're at in this season so far
4: Well, you know, for me, being a resident of Charleston, South Carolina, um, a lot of people don't look at the South Carolina game as a big rivalry, but here it's a huge rivalry because if we lose this game, the rest of my year is miserable. So clearing that hurdle Saturday was was really good. We had a fundraiser, a uh, high school fundraiser on Thursday night, and I ran into a bunch of Gamecock fans there. And they all wanted to talk about the game, and they all wanted to tell me how cautiously optimistic they were. And uh, you know, I was like, you know, listen and talk about Spence Rattler and transfers and you know all the wide receivers they had. And I would, what I and I just you know was listening to them agreeing. And what I really wanted to tell them is if you haven't watched this play, you have no idea of the wrecking ball you're about to see on Saturday. Right. And so um, they got to see it, which was great. (laughs) You know, and I got a lot of texts that night, like, wow, you guys are the real deal. So that was um, pretty gratifying.
2: Yeah. So I was in the middle of a move and you know how hellish those are. And you. I'm on like 77 Bulldog text chains during the game. So my phone was buzzing you know off the table and you know the the ESPN the Cox Cable guy was supposed to be there by 10 and he showed up up, and it was like they were me for the first time so finally got it hooked up for the second half and by then it was just over it was just trash time and you know we're watching people playing out there that I had never seen including a running back that I had never heard of tell me about Cash
4: no, My boy cash. cash Jones, yeah. So no. um, he is our seventh string running back, Cash Jones. Uh, I think he is from Texas, if I recall correctly. But Buffalo and I were texting at the end of the game or Saturday night, and we were talking about the potential NIL deals that Cash Jones should have available to him. You know, I want one. The, Mad
2: Dog wants the payday one. The K-Day
4: lending, the check into Cash, the um, <laughs> JG Wentworth, I mean, all of those ads should be right in his wheelhouse.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Payday lending, especially. I mean, any with a name like that, I mean, what about a, a, Jones. a bank deal? You know, maybe I should talk to the bank.
4: Well, you know, what's phenomenal about it, and I was thinking about how optimistic Kirby must have been about how this game was going to go, that we actually brought our seventh string running back on the travel squad for that you know i mean we can't go as deep as a home game so we've got to really be picky about who travels with us and we brought cash jones on that trip and he was just slicing and dicing through that (laughs)
2: defense he was (laughs) he was slicing them up just which had to be just at, at that point i feel like they'd given up you know, they were just completely you could just look at their body language, they're completely demoralized. And yeah, and to the point to the point where I had to catch myself almost starting to, but not really feeling a little bit sorry for them.
4: I kind of had the same feeling a little bit, you know, besides my conversations Thursday about how you know they think that they could pull this game out, but I felt like in the second half that for that game to be competitive, it would have to be somewhere between our second and third string team to be on the field for it to be a competitive football
2: game. I've had the exact same thought, and you were and you were debating with yourself. You're like second or third? Is it I think third? I think third string would be a good matchup.
5: Right. And and right. and
2: but you can you can't you can't have hot pot in there, you've got to have zircle. Zirkel's got to do the kicking. And if there's a right. third string guy. If there's a third string kicker, we want to see him too. Just to keep. Yeah, it up, it's interesting. Hey, we're getting the backup kicker
4: sometime. You know, I mean, everybody got to play. Everybody. Uh, one, wins. Thing wanna, one thing I want to, v- one thing I want to revisit real quick is you know our, our last conversation we talked about who was going to replace Doctor J Uncle Julian this year. Right, and, that's right. That's you right. Know, mine was Pappy Van Stetson, and your right. boy was.
2: I don't even remember. It? Matt Landers. Oh, Landers. Yes, 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 I forgot because he's not with us, but he's still, he's still making noise in Arkansas, isn't he? So last week against South Carolina,
4: he pulled a Matt Landers move and had a beautiful pass from K.J. Jefferson over the shoulder, like 50-yard bomb. What did he do? He dropped he it. Yeah. Right. And so Pit boss said he came to him. He felt really bad about it. Pit Boss talked him up. Last week he came back out, had 123 yards receiving. Wow.
2: Yeah. I'm so Landers, you, the late bloomer. He's, you know he's what? That, he's that. He's late bloomer that he'll probably do at least five years in the league, maybe go to a Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. just, just because of his physical skills. You know. Yeah. It's, he's had It's almost like a, a mental block on the ball or something when it gets there, which it's got to be fixable. But he looks you know, the part in every way. He, you just gotta catch the smart. part. He looks the part in every way. Six five. Uh, I, I didn't know this, but Pitbull says he's fast. He should yeah. be. I, I just. Oh, want to, he I want to be,
4: past the guy.
2: I want to yeah. see him have the breakout game against Bama.
4: That would be a perfect time to do it. Yeah, because Arkansas is such an easy team root for. You know, I mean, if there's a better coach on the planet than Pit boss, besides who we have, I don't know who he is. He's so easy to root for. We got Matt Landers over there. It would be so great to see Arkansas win the West, beat Bama, see him in Atlanta, you know, so all those things. That'd be great if that
2: happened. And little known fact, Arkansas is my number two team in the SEC because I lived in Arkansas. We graduated from Georgia lived there for three years. My twin actually born there. My wife mm-hmm. and I, Lex is I, twin. And it's just such a cool state. And it's, it's overlooked because people are like Arkansas, that's just some hillbilly state, but it's really Little Rock's a cool town. Fayetteville is a very cool town. You've got the Ozarks,
1: which, mm-hmm.
2: um, are beautiful. Um, you got hot Springs has the horse, rac- horse racing. You're cl- You're two hours from Memphis. You're four hours from Dallas. It's just in a real, real perfect spot. Yeah. They love, they love, they love love to eat. When we live there, no joke. All you can eat, Waffle House. All you can eat, Chris. All you could eat, Crystal. That's dangerous. I I asked the Waffle House waitress, I was like, there's got to be some people in here that are just trying to school the system. And she goes, She said, "We caught one guy. We one guy in the bathroom purging himself so he could come back. And eat more. So he could reload. That's <laughs> when you love the food out. that you're eating. I got to draw the line somewhere, buddy. That's it. You're out. No more. All you can eat. Yeah, while you're
5: yeah.
4: yeah. There's a term they use for that in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Oh, they call it a reversal." So if you're in Nathan's hot dog eating contest and you have a reversal, you got to stop. You're out of the competition. So now, I guess at that, oh, you can eat Waffle House, no reversals.
2: I love just the whole subcul- subculture of the world of competitive eating. And when they start going through, you know, the records, like I can't remember the guy who always wins the hot dog record, but he has
5: Joey,
2: like, t- Joey Chestnut has like, 15 other records for like hard boiled eggs and just a litany wings. of different things, wings. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just insane. The Yeah. Training. And he trains, trains
4: like crazy, just <laughs> chugging gallons of water and stretching his stomach. And yeah, it's, 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 wild. it's,
2: it's such a bizarre life. Maybe we need <laughs> Joey Chestnut on this show. I yeah, he would be
4: an interesting study, like, in, like, hey, can that guy really live for a long time? You know, I mean, is yeah. is he doing so much damage to his body by just consuming 75 hot dogs in a sitting?
2: How long would it take him break? to eat? And then an, how long would it take him to eat an entire shoulder from Finchers? Like, because <laughs> you know he could do it. It's just, a it's a time Easy. thing. Like, yeah. is it, it's, he like, 15 minutes later, just gnawing on the bone and throwing it on the ground, going <laughs> next. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you gotta, you yeah. gotta chug a gallon of Brunswick stew to wash it down with.
4: <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty, pretty pricey too. I would imagine, you know, a couple of butts.
2: <clears throat> well, circling back at Fincher's if, if, that would be complimentary. I would work that out. So mm-hmm. back to Landers. So what's his nickname going to be? Uh, well, he's
4: he's late bloomer. So something I think that around late blooming, you know, I
2: think late uh, late blooming Lazarus Landers. Because I mean, <laughs> it's a comeback, baby. It's a comeback.
4: Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, he's six years in. I think he committed to Georgia six years ago. So he's he's um yeah he he's been around the block for sure.
2: So he showed up, he showed up with Stetson in 17, right? Yeah. 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 Well, me too. Is this his final year of eligibility? Does he have some? It's
4: success? gotta be. It's gotta be. Yeah. So he's gotta make it happen now. If he wants to go pro, he's gotta have these hundred yard games. Last week was a good start for him. So, and you know, my pick, Pappy Van Stetson. I mean, look at him now. You got him as a front runner for Heisman. I mean, the stats you read off—it's just insane. Who would have thought? You know, we're like third in the nation in passing right now.
2: It's insane, and and third in the nation by you know not even him playing full games. Yeah, skipping
4: the fourth quarter. Right.
2: Let's get him in yeah. the fourth quarter.
4: <clears throat> I heard it. I, you, you may have mentioned this. I don't know, but I heard the stat said in the three games that we have played we have scored on every possession we have had in the first half except for two. And I think one of those was that weird Sanford deal where Kirby wanted to, like, run the the Hail Mary play. I don't know why we were calling timeouts when they were trying to, like, end the half, but we wanted to get right. the ball back so we could run our, like, one-minute Hail Mary offense. So we didn't convert there. And then the South Carolina game, we had three and out where I think Stetson threw up during the play. And so it like disrupted that series, but that's it. Every other series in the first half we have scored.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's never
5: happened.
2: (laughs) I mean, and, and AD, you know, AD Mitchell's out and we're doing this now. You know, we're not playing Tennessee or Kentucky yet, but still we're we're clicking on cylinders and for the most part, thankfully staying healthy.
4: That's it. And, you know, to I, I was reading another stat today, like just so your eyes aren't deceiving you in what we're watching on the field, Um that one of the links that we link to on the dog bone is get the picture. We have it listed as yeah. GTP and Senator yeah. Blutarski. On Mondays, he um he always goes through the stat called net yards per play. It's a pretty simple stat. It's just how many yards did we get on an average play on offense minus how many yards did we give up on an average play on defense? And they've calculated over the years. And if you're over two, then you're a CFP playoff contender. If you're over mm-hmm. two and a half, then you're probably national champion. Last year, for example, we were at like 2.9, which was by far the best we've ever had. And, of course, we won the national championship. Bama was like a whole yard behind us. So there wasn't anybody even close to us. This year so far, we're I think at 4.1. On offense, we average 8.8 yards per play, which is just insane. Last year we averaged 6.9 yards per play on defense, we give up 4.7 yards per play. Last uh, year we gave up 4.1. So we're right in that same range we were on defense last year. Offensively we're off the chart.
2: That is a hell of a stat. I've never heard that and that is that's fascinating. That yes, really really be
4: to keep an eye on as the year goes on, to like see if we're really on track for. I mean, what we're seeing right now, like, can we sustain this? And we'll see the see it flash out in that number. Like, if we stay up around three, above three, there's there's not going to be anybody that can beat us.
2: Okay, here's my request from the Dog Bone report each week. I would like to know the top four teams, where they rank. Or does, does, does GTP only do it for us, or do they do it for other teams?
5: No.
4: Yeah, he does it for everybody. He, rank, he ranks all the teams. Yeah, so actually, oddly, right now Alabama's ahead of us, and it's really just because they've played two massive cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to get about halfway through the season right. to right. cycle through, you know, the cupcake games and, like, the right. – the variation you get there when you're scoring 60 points and the other team can't even move the ball. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll report it each week and I'll let you know. But we're well above last year and I expect us to stay well above last year with the offense we have.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm so happy that it's, it's turning out the way I predicted. I've been telling everybody that this offense this year is going to be special. Because you know, three reasons the O line that we had coming back, and the guys that were going to be there that were plug and play, Stetson Mm -hmm. Bennett, and the weapons around him, Mm -hmm. which which it it doesn't make me a smart guy at all because I'm pointing out the obvious. You look at those guys on paper and you go, How do they, how are they not going to produce a lot?
4: Uh, That's uh, you know, that long touchdown pass to Brock Bowers is like a microcosm of our offense because Mm -hmm. you've got a brilliant offensive coordinator who designs a play where you spread everybody out, draw the linebackers up, so the tight end's wide open over the middle by like 15 yards. You have a veteran quarterback who knows how to sell the play action so everybody draws up, and then he delivers it perfectly to him, and then you have a superhuman athlete in space who's gonna make two guys miss and then run four point three forty down the field to score all of those.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I heard Slayball talking last night at the making touchdown club and he called him the best football player in America. He goes I know that I know Titan tight end won't win the Heisman, but he's the best player on the field. And and so Bert, what he needs a nickname. Bowers needs a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he needs one. Um, it's
4: got to be something superhuman. I mean, he's a he's a superhero somehow. We've got to.
2: He is some, some sort of superhero. Maybe he's Superman. Maybe he's Iron Man. But I mean, he's, he's got a cool name to begin with. Brock Bowers just sounds like you know an A list actor. It does. You know? yeah. In yeah. The next Iron cool. Man starring Brock Bowers. You know, but. <laughs> <I heard. laughs>
4: Yeah. And, you know, who throws a fade to a tight end in the corner and what tight end college tight end makes that catch? You know,
2: the footwork was stupid. The hands.
4: Yeah. Yeah. All of it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, uh, wait our our we're family friends with the oscar delt family my sister-in-law is okay. friends with his yeah. mom and uh so we got to meet him before the clemson game last year and oscar is kind of uh, uh brock bowers part two i think i mean i don't he doesn't have it yet but he could get there and we saw a glimpse of it saturday where yep. Yep. um he's got the size he's got the quickness um you know, if he if Brock can kind of help develop him along along with Hartley, I mean, when Bowers leaves, I think Oscar steps right into that role. And then we got Pierce Sperling come along too. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be stacked at tight end for a while. Oh man, it's
2: it's RBU, it's tight end you. Um, I like the fact that his name's Oscar. You just don't hear him <laughs> Oscars anymore, you know? No, you're yeah. you're not gonna forget his name. Oscar yeah. and Brock.
4: Yeah, that touchdown meant a lot to him because his mom went to South Carolina and uh, oh. they were kind of late in the game to recruit him. And uh, so, you know, Todd Hartley jumped in and was like, you're our guy, come to Georgia. And, you know, it was a big adjustment for her being a lifelong Gamecock. And so for his touch first touchdown pass to be against South Carolina was pretty special.
2: Yeah, and I bet that eased the pain of going, okay, it's much better to be on this sideline than that sideline. Absolutely. I think they feel like they, re- they made the right decision. Yeah. Well, you know, Spencer Rattler was dumb enough to make, you know, those statements preseason of, oh, I, I think the SEC is easier than the, than the Big 12. I wonder what he thinks um, now.
4: I know. Yeah. I mean he was running backwards for his life. We didn't get any sacks I don't think, but he was running backwards the whole time. Oh, here's one more interesting stat my son told me. Um guess what player on our team has as many receptions as Jermaine Burton?
2: Oh my god. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, this is going to be a good I'll give one. You I- a hint. He's-
4: He's a freshman.
2: Dylan Bell.
4: Malachi Starks.
5: Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that. Your son gets five gold stars. That is. I know. I was like, that's,
4: that's a good one.
2: Yeah. That's a good I one. mean, he's, uh, he just, just can't get open over there. And they're not, it's not like they're playing anybody. I mean, why is he not getting more targets?
4: Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I, – I really think that, it, you know, you look at – they talk about the culture of our team, and I think a lot of that culture it revolves around being unselfish. And if you look at, like, our, our guys out at tight end and wide receiver and how much we focus on perimeter blocking and how yeah. important that is this year, I mean, yeah. you just see it. Like, it opens up so many plays for us. But as a wide receiver, a tight end, you've got to be so unselfish to do Mm -hmm. that. And I really think Burton struggled with that. And he struggled with that idea of you got to be this unselfish player. You may not get the ball all the time. We need you to block on the outside. Whereas you look at like a Lad McConkie or an A.D. Mitchell or Bowers or Darnell. I mean, those guys are just killing people on the
2: outside. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brock is blocking people off the field.
4: That block by A.D. Mitchell in the end zone against Oregon, where he just kept, like, working the guy into the ground after we'd even scored the touchdown. Conky on Bowers' play. I mean, those guys, they know how to do it, and they don't care about the accolades. They're like, we want to move the ball down the field, and I want to do whatever I can to be a part of that.
2: You're exactly right. And they, they know, too, if you don't block, you're not going to be out there. And it's yeah. not just—it's not just try to block. You got to be an effective blocker, and that's, it. that's yeah. just—that's just—that's our culture, and it's great. And it
4: works, man. It works when you get the got guy, right guys in that system, and you get the guys who can make people miss in space, like Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers and McIntosh. That system works, and that's what Monkins got us rolling on. You know.
2: Yeah it it's it's fun to watch and there's been so many years as you know where it hasn't been fun to watch right it's like
4: yeah one of the college fans i was i heard after the game who isn't a fan of georgia was talking about how we look like alabama did a few years ago and it's not fun to watch and he called it joyless murder ball
2: Because it's just – because it's not a game. Because we're just killing people. Right.
4: It's low stress for us. You know, I mean, we score right off the bat. We score again. We score again. We stop them. We stop them. We score again. And then we can just relax and watch the game and hope that we don't give up a touchdown at any point in the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what you're stressing about. Like, that game I was like, man, we really don't need to let them score a trash touchdown. But then I made myself feel better by the fact where I was like, okay, Yeah, we've allowed 10 points, but our starting defense is only averaging one point per game.
4: That's it.
2: Yeah, right. That's how I feel better.
4: That's it. And, you know, 3.3 isn't
2: bad anyway. No, that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Well, I think maybe that we should bring on um, our mystery guest, known only as Dogger, if he's available, if he's ready. I hope he is. I am Dogger, you're there? Can you hear me Dogger?
1: I am here. Awesome.
2: I'm glad that we can Bird <laughs> hey. How you What's
1: doing? Having, brother? I'm great, long time. Not much. I'm I'm very yeah, impressed with while. your statistical ability.
4: Thanks. You know, I, I try to throw out a few interesting stats every time I'm on. And, you know, we've, we've got a plethora of interesting stats right now.
1: Yes, you do. Or we do. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you're sticking on. You may have some opinions about, uh, about the gambling aspect.
4: Yeah, I, well, I'm curious to hear how you did in last week's games. I, I noticed Buffalo and David were jotting down your picks, so I'm sure that you tallied that up for us.
1: Well, I, yeah, I do have a summary. It uh, unfortunately wasn't wasn't the greatest, but it's early in the year, so I'm still trying to figure out the right system. You brought up uh, the uh, whatever stats you had earlier, and I followed a little bit of Sagarin. It's interesting. Uh, Alabama still ahead of us in that, but like you said, the cupcake-wise, uh, has an effect on that, um, but no, in the, uh, so I had, I did do some NFL picks, but, so I started out great on a, on a Thursday night lock uh, with the Chargers uh, covering against San Diego Lake, or excuse, excuse me, covering against uh, Kansas City Lake, but then I went, unfortunately, went 0-3, in the SEC, <laughs> Auburn pretty much laid an egg against Penn State, and uh, LSU came out better than than I assumed. And South Florida gave Florida a pretty good contest. So zero three on that. Uh, my ten team cracker, which uh, pays seven hundred to one, uh, it's the odds of hitting it are seven hundred and fifty to one. Out of uh, I looked that up today on um, one of the sports book. I think out of London, um, the William Hill sports book. And uh, so, yeah, the odds are 750 to one, but you get paid 700 to one if you hit all 10. So it's worth the chance to throw. I think back in college, we would throw five dollars out there these days. Somebody may throw 100 to try to get 70. Um, But, yeah, those went uh, those went three and seven. But and then I hit the uh, I hit all three of the uh, NFL teasers. But we're going to get away from the NFL this week. So I've been doing some studying and. And trying to figure it out to see where we're headed tonight. And by the way, when it comes to the dogs, we obviously won 48 to seven, which they covered by 16 and a half against the Vegas line, and we pushed a uh, closing total of 55. So that that's, uh, I think that last touchdown there, um, a lot of people that had the under probably were upset by that. But um, but still, as, so that's uh, pretty
2: rare. Dog, aren't that pretty rare? To, to push an over under like that?
1: Honestly, it's not. It's amazing what Vegas can do. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how close they typically are on on over unders. I've I've been in shock for however many years that I've been doing it. It, uh, yeah, no, it's it's amazing how close they typically are. I mean, obviously there are some some ones that are blowouts and not even close, but I'd say they're they're within a few points on sixty to seventy percent of their total predictions.
2: How do you think they do it? I mean, is the, are they feeding stuff into a supercomputer and it's just running algorithms and just... I
1: mean, that is, that's that's what not- it is these days. But back in the day when Jimmy the Greek was around, there was none of that. You just had a guy that was a genius and he could look at the weather and, and probably was writing things down <laughs> like Bob Edge would do on, on a out of a piece out of a newspaper and uh, just putting stats down and, and add up what the total should be. So... Yeah, that's, that's why they called him a sharp. <laughs> yeah, and
5: <laughs> like Craig, hey,
4: Dogger, how, did, how do you think that they come up with these lines for Georgia games now? Because if you look at basically every game we've played so far this year, we have dialed it back either at past halftime or midway through the third quarter. And, um, you know, if we wanted to just keep our foot on the gas, I mean, we could have just we could have run score up to eighty. Yeah, against so, against Sanford.
1: Yeah, Sanford's a great example. Uh, that that was uh, way too many points in my opinion. Fifty-five. I just didn't want to um, first looking at it. I, I didn't want to bet against the dogs or, or take anything against them. But yeah, it's exactly what happened. And and for the most part, I think we kept a few starters in there in the second half. But for the most part, you have the stat- starters out, uh, and I'm thinking the same thing against Kent. But I'll tell you in a little bit what I what I'm doing with the Kent game. From a, I'm gonna tease that one up a little bit and take Kent. Um, so yeah, I mean I don't know Vegas. From what I read, Vegas got smoked on the on the Sanford game. Hmm. Just that I, line. They, was they, too high, they, so they adjust. They,
2: they didn't take into account uh, the the relationship that Smart and Hatcher had. Probably.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, he, uh, Kirby stuff. took it easy on him, and, and we, like Bert, like you said, that we could have, we could have run that up. I mean, we could have won that game eighty to nothing, but not going to yeah. do that and you know shame them and all.
4: Right. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I think that if they look at it, going forward, look at the relationship Kirby has with the opposing coach, that's probably going to factor into it somewhat. You know, if he really dislikes a coach. I would imagine we're going to keep <laughs> keep our starters out there a little bit longer. And it's somehow, great. I don't know how this is, but um, Graham Coffey, who writes for Dog Central, he was talking about how Kirby and Shane Beamer do not have a good relationship at all. That really? That they do not get along. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe Kirby's reaction to that fourth down stop that we had, you know, where uh, – he got really fired up. Um,
2: he
1: did. You know, it yep. may,
4: that may be a product of him not really getting along with Shane Beamer very well. Was well, that the That's one with the year. bad
2: spot, and then that drive led to the touchdown? No, uh,
4: no. This was one of the fourth down. I think it was like fourth and nine, and like Nolan Smith and somebody else came and just cleaned house and tackled the guy out of bounds, and Kirby like pointed the other direction and dropped the F-bomb. Fired
1: up. Yeah. I remember. It's like, yeah. He's like, why are you getting I mean,
4: so I mad I love every
2: bit of it? We're up by 42. <laughs> it's livid, right? He wanted that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, I'm going to focus mostly on college. And I do like doing a Thursday night to kick off everybody's week. And this week, there are a couple of Thursday night college games. Um, so the one I'm going to take in this is going to be a Thursday night parlay. So for those of you that don't know what that is, I mean, you take both, they both have to win and if they both win. You win three to one. So let's just say you risk $10, you win $30, risk a hundred, risk a hundred, you win 300. And what we have, uh, is uh, coastal Carolina minus two and a half against Georgia state. The total is 62. And I'm going Georgia State and over. Hmm. So that's your, if you can hit both of those on Thursday night, it starts your week off well. You can roll into Friday afternoon, get going for the weekend. There are some Friday night games, but nothing uh, really jumped out at me there. At least didn't fit the system uh, that hopefully works. Um, And then, so I'm going to do three SEC straight picks every week and obviously try to pick the, the one where we're playing each other. Uh, Auburn really upset me this past weekend. All my Auburn buddies over here making – they told me I was an idiot for betting on Auburn. I mean, I heard it 100 times uh, from, you know, from Vic, you know, uh, Mad Dog, and everybody. <laughs> so, I'm going to go Mizzou this week plus seven. Arson here should the,
2: be – Mizzou's plus seven against Auburn?
1: They, they are plus seven against Auburn. Yep. Where is it? Uh, I didn't put Mizzou in bold, so it must be at Auburn.
2: Okay. I don't
1: know. Hold on. I can look it up. Um, I'll look it up while I'm reading these to you. Tennessee minus 10 against Florida. I think Tennessee's looking pretty good.
2: I do too.
1: Uh, and Florida obviously didn't show me anything against South Florida. And then AM looked really good against Miami. So, I'm taking A&M taking AM 2 against Arkansas. Hmm. I think A&M minus two against the Hogs. Yeah. I did. What's that? What their,
4: their offense statistically is incredibly terrible right now. Um, so, they can only go up from there. Um,
1: leaning on the defense too just they seem to yeah. shut Miami down. Um yeah yeah um yeah they got a pretty good
5: game.
4: So we'll see and
1: I, I'm always a contrarian against what I just I feel like Vegas always wins and so I like to go contrarian against what most people say. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't and obviously it didn't work last week but um still trying to follow this it. system. <laughs> and then I so, right, so that instead of a um three-team FL teaser. We're going to do a three-team NCAA teaser. And we're going to go um, Mad Dog's probably least favorite team. We're going to take – so North Carolina is minus two against Notre Dame, fighting Irish. So if you, if you do a uh, three-team teaser, you catch 10 points. Okay, so we're going to get Notre Dame plus 12 because they're minus two. So you get 10 points towards them. This is what covered the three-team NFL last week, and then App State against JMU. I just App State's had so many exciting games this since the start against North Carolina. Um, I think they're on up, riding high after throwing that hail mary against Troy. Uh, So they're minus seven is the real line. So you get them plus three. And then I'm going to take the dogs are minus 46 against Kent. I'm going to assume that Kirby takes it easy on them and take uh, Kent plus 56 and hope for a 55 to nothing shut up. Mm-hmm. 56. No, yeah, that's uh, 50. Yeah, 56. You're right, David. Or, I no, okay. sorry. Yeah. Um, Who is this David of which you? I know. Said? No, no, no kidding. I, I got to get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, then here comes the 10-team cracker. Bert, Bert you remember oh, the 10-team yeah. crackers, crackers. Oh, yeah. Crackers. Man, yeah, hard to nail
2: that one. Okay, time out. What is the biggest cracker win you've heard? Like somebody bet 100 and win 75 grand. Have you ever heard of that?
1: Oh, no, no, no. There was um, – I read about one on – this is on DraftKings, which we obviously can't do in, in Georgia, um, that I read about this stuff on a just, it's not necessarily jealousy, but I just, I love hearing about it. Some guy put, but this, this included like straight up people, like, so not including lines, he put $20 down and won like 1.2 million. This was, yeah, this was an opening weekend of college football, but he had a ton of upsets. He and did. and
2: he, that was that was betting against spreads. He did that, not straight.
1: That was betting against. Well, he was taking. It was people, everybody winning the game, so it was not against spreads. Correct. Wow. And he picked. It, he picked a bunch of upsets which covered. Uh huh. Whereas what I'm doing is I'm doing it with the lines, and I actually I uh, threw I kind of peppered in a few uh, over unders tonight. So. Yeah, people be excited about totals You're right i like it uh so yeah no i mean that's and i'll go back and i'll text that to you my dog it's uh yeah it's some guy won crazy amount of money on a very small bet but it was a massive long shot All right
4: Imagine um, are, that last game that he had. You know, when he's <laughs> when he's nailed nine of the
5: crackers, right. and
4: he's oh, he was scared to
5: death. There, there was some crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to say, I want to say it went to overtime, and he was. I'm sure he was scared to death. Yeah, he, uh, Maybe uh, laid off. He, he may have laid off a hundred thousand or something just in case. Right. Yeah. Right.
5: Just couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, so uh, Clemson is minus seven against Wake, and I'm taking Wake plus seven. The uh, Clemson, the total in that game is 55, going over 55. It could be 10 to seven, probably no, but but I, I don't know. I think that's they're both going to score. Uh, Kansas and Duke, the total is 66 and a half. I'm going Kansas over. Or
2: Kansas. Kansas or Kansas State? I
1: thought it's Kansas is what I typed out.
2: Yeah, I, yeah
4: Kansas and Duke are playing this weekend.
1: Okay.
2: Kansas and Duke,
1: okay. Uh, and over 66 and a half. i just not sure either of those teams can shut anybody down. I like this one. Cal minus three against Arizona. I'm going Arizona plus three. Tulane is minus 13 against Southern Miss. Going Southern Miss plus 13. I've got to throw in something just to find something that I that fits.
2: Southern Miss Um, plus 13 against two.
1: Southern Miss is plus 13 against Tulane. Okay. Uh, another total, Marshall and Troy. Marshall against Troy. The total is fifty-two. I'm going over fifty-two. So I fully agree with what you said earlier, Mad Dog, about uh, USC, uh, Southern California, not not South Carolina. that uh, they are going to be in the top four at the end in the championship, but. I'm taking Oregon State, so they're playing Oregon State. USC is minus six and a half, and I'm hoping for a, I don't know, 30 to 30, 33 to 30 game, Oregon State losing. That's fine with me.
2: I like Oregon State just because their mascot's the Beavers. (laughs) It's
1: hilarious. That's a good point. Uh, Michigan is minus 16 against Maryland. I like Michigan. They seem to be. They seem to have uh, settled on their quarterback, and he wow. looked good. So I didn't like the. I didn't like the thing with the two quarterback scenario. I didn't either. Uh, this one's kind of random for me. I just I wanted to throw in a game that would people would be watching. Texas, Texas Tech. Texas is minus six and a half, and I'm going with Texas. Okay. And then last one, I really want to bet on the total in this game, but another late-night game or later game, Ohio State against Wisconsin, Ohio State's minus 16. And I'm taking Wisconsin plus the 16.
2: That game is where – oh, it's at Ohio State. I forgot. They only play home games. They yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> And my last last thing um, that uh, the daughter will throw out is this, and I know I'm not supposed to do any NFL, but a Monday night savior that I used to sit in a chemistry class uh, at Truett when I couldn't pass it there at uh, Georgia for one year. I'd sit there and try to come up with a way to get back under the number. So I'm going to throw out the Giants minus two and a half against Dallas.
4: like it. Giants are on a roll, 2-0.
1: I hope so. Saquon's looking good.
4: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I just don't know if Cooper Rush can do it. I mean, last week I felt good. That was such a sucker bet last week against Cincy.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, anyway, I'm going to throw that last last little NFL. That's all I'll do for the NFL.
2: So, you get all those right it's 700-1. to 1.
1: Uh, If you get all 10 of the college cracker. That is at least 700
2: to one. Okay. Oh, and then the pros is a separate bet.
1: Pros is a separate bet. That's if you have to, if you're really struggling or, or if you're up, if you're up, what, uh, seven seventy thousand $70,000, then you could throw 40 grand on that and come out with 30. Yeah. Uh, or come out with a hundred.
2: Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> not that I look I, again, I'm not a game. The only thing that I bet on is Stetson Bennett because he bets on him.
1: Did you hear and me say earlier? Like, did did well, I say uh, earlier that he's 12 to one Heisman?
2: 12. I've, I I saw nine somewhere. I don't know where it was. I looked it, it up when
1: I Googled it when you were and, and I went, went on to a, a gambling website. It showed 12 on that, right? Still, yeah, it's still it's great. A, yeah. There's
2: only, what, who's better than him right now? Bryce and C.J. Stroud? Caleb Williams, maybe? I think is yeah. the best. He's got the best odds right now?
1: No, I no, better than him. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking as far as my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah you, no, you are correct on the other. Yes.
2: Okay. Cool. Well.
1: We'll see I mean, how we do this week.
2: I'll, um. I may have to, I'm going to definitely have to study this a little more. It's intriguing me. It's making me maybe <laughs> want to dip my little toe in the water just for funsies.
1: <laughs> Great show. I love to have it's a on there. And, and Bert, always good to hear from you. And good job. You and Buffalo, I want to hear together.
4: Yeah, it's good to hear from you. You know, I, a quick story about Dogger. Um Back when I was a freshman at Georgia, I tried to pass myself <laughs> off as, as Dogger one time. you remember this? <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I do, but that's all right. You're welcome to.
4: And <laughs> chauffeur Dogger and uh, Chuck Hubbard and Bo and a <laughs> bunch of other guys was a pledge down to Georgia Florida game at St. Simon's. And yeah. Rogan's was notorious for being the hardest place for underage people to get into. Like they were really hard at. <laughs> checking IDs. And um I had somehow convinced Dogger to let me just use his driver's license <laughs> to uh, try to get in. The guy took like one look at it. And he's like, nope, and took it. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I went back over to him. He was in the parking lot. And I was like, I lost your driver's license. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so Dogger went up to the bouncer and was like, some jerk just stole my wallet and I think he (laughs) tried to use my ID to get into this place. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me that
5: worked.
4: Yeah. He gave it back to him. So he got his driver's license back and I had to, so I was sitting on the curb just, it was like (laughs) 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I'm going to have to wait for these guys to close down this bar before I can drive them back. I've got to get in this place. So I went around to the side and tried to sneak in the kitchen and I took three steps in and the manager saw me and he took off after me and I went sprinting like down the road, past (laughs) Mullet Bay, through this park. Like the guy chased me for literally a half a mile. And um, (laughs) finally, like I, I ran cross country in high school. So I was able to finally get away from him But it was like, a half a mile of running. I was like, "All right, I'm not getting into this place." So I had to sit on the curb and wait for those guys to come out at two o'clock
5: in the morning.
1: I was thinking we yeah. uh, eventually were at least we had a twelve pack of beer in the truck for you in that in that little of yellow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not made over. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, good dragon
2: story. Yeah. Good time, right, guys. Well, I'm gonna wrap. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, All right. I really appreciate both y'all coming on. I really love the new Dogger segment, and I love how, you know, maybe next time it can be the three of us plus Dogger shrouded in mystery so that we keep his identity preserved um, Mm -hmm. with Buffalo when he gets back from his his assignment on his scintillating expose that will be riveting audiences nationwide. But... I want to remind everybody that if you do want mailman for Heisman t-shirts, that is the mad I want to thank Malcolm Mitchell for joining us. I want to thank Mark Slayball for trying to join us. I, I don't know what the technical problem was, but we'll figure that out. Thanks to Ryan Snetzer. Thanks to Bert Hodges. Thanks to dogger. But most of all, thanks to y'all for watching. I hope you're able to catch this on Apple music or on Spotify. And that's it. I'm hoping that, uh, DJ Spark here could take us out with some noise. And I hope y'all make some noise in San Francisco Stadium on Saturday. Peace out, Mad Dogs.